0: This is a Lip Media Podcast. Content discussed on this podcast may be triggering for some individuals. So if you feel like today you can't quite handle it, that's totally fine. You can press pause and come back another day. Remember, we're always going to be here. And if you need immediate help, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Everybody, and welcome to If You Don't Mind. I'm your host, Madeline Sherrington. We have reached nearly halfway through this second season. I think we're on the ninth episode uh, for this season, which is something like I don't know, episode 20? I don't really know. I'm not keeping count, but um, I am just so excited that this is still going and we're still here and people are still listening. So, thank you very much. So today's guest, his name is Lachlan. He is really funny and witty, and I really enjoyed speaking to him because not only is he funny, he's also very compassionate. You can tell in the way that he thinks about things and approaches things, that he just has this innate ability to see see all sides of any argument. He's, yeah, he's a very understanding, very self-aware person, which I think was really cool too. To hear when we when we had our discussion, so in this interview, uh, Lachlan kind of talks through his experiences as a as a child, um, his parents going through a divorce, also living in a home with physical abuse, and how those experiences uh, ultimately um, led him to develop anxiety and depression and um, how he kind of dealt with that, living in a small town, uh, being a gay man and not really having um, that family support network around him. So it's a really good episode. It's lots of layers, very, very complex uh, themes, which I think you're all going to enjoy. So relax, have a listen. Um, I will say that my microphone did something real weird this week. And for some reason, Lachlan sounds great, but I don't, I don't really know what happened. It's still very listenable, just not as good as my usual work, which has bummed me out a bit, but you know what? These things happen. I'm, you know, recording things over the computer, over a phone. It doesn't always go well. And this is an example of that, but it's still great. It's still really good to listen to. Um, just in terms of a content warning, we do discuss uh, depression, anxiety, sexual assault, physical abuse in the home, as as well as suicide. So if any of these themes are um, not something you can listen to today, that's totally fine. Come back when you're ready and we'll give it another go. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have to say for now. Let's get started with Lachlan. I hope you enjoy it. <music> Brilliant. Okay, welcome Lachlan.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, finally.
0: Oh, um, I'm so <laughs> I'm sorry it's taking me so long to get back to
1: you. Oh, look, you know what they say, better late than never.
0: Exactly, exactly. Do you prefer Lachlan or Lockie?
1: I don't mind either way. Um, it's funny, I get excited when people call me Lockie because I went to high school with another Lachlan. Yeah. And he always got called Lockie, so I felt like, you know, I missed out. But a lot of my friends these days just call me by my last name, just like Torres, you know. Oh. Which I think, you know, makes me feel like a bro, you know. Yeah. Like, they're like, "Oi, Torres," and I'm like, "Oi, what?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I, don't like the, I like the name Lachlan because that's my brother's name.
1: Oh, get out. There you go. I
0: have a, I have a very strong love for the, the name Lachlan. So if it's okay, I'm going to call you Lachlan.
1: Go for it. All nice. your choice.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Well, Lachlan, as I said, thank you so much for being on the show. I guess I first wanted to start off as I usually do and just ask you, you know, what you're about, what you do for a living, what you do in your spare time, that kind of thing.
1: Well, what I'm about. Um, what an interesting question that I <laughs> don't know how to answer. <laughs> um, well, basically, I'm a I'm a banker. Um, you know, corporate worlds ripping people off, not intentionally, but you know, just it's the perception. Mm. Um, but no, I just work. I work for a bank, um, just to stand a nine to five thing. In, I also go to uni full time, so well, I yeah. Um, so I've got a lot of my plate there, haven't I? Um, And I also, I've started studying um, French through the Alliance Francaise School uh, in Sydney. So I guess you could say that's a bit of a hobby that I like to do. Um, That's
0: so cool. So you do that as well as uni?
1: Correct. Yeah. Yep.
0: Far out. What are you studying at uni?
1: So I'm doing my um, Bachelor of Business with a major of Marketing Communications. Cool. Sounds so white girl, you know, (laughs) like... (laughs)
0: i mean like that's that's, that's what
1: you hear that's what you hear stacy like stacy's doing marketing <laughs> you know because her dad expected her to go to you.
0: <laughs> oh my god that's so true that's you've hit the nail on the head <laughs> oh, sorry no.
1: to anyone named stacy i'm not trying to you know stereotype anyone
0: no no kind of name um so you're studying full-time and you're working full-time and you're studying french on the side that sounds like a lot of stuff
1: that as well and i'm also i'm not sure if you know this but i'm also married as well
0: no i didn't know that oh so
1: i don't know why this never came up but yeah i'm also married so you know i've got that going on as well plus you know social life so i like uh, i'm a very busy person i guess you could say
0: do you think that you, like, like to be busy?
1: Um, I mean, wh- while I'm busy, I say that I hate it. And then yeah. when I finally have free time to myself, I'm kind of lost as, as what to do.
0: Yeah. You I'm- know,
1: so it's a bit of a bittersweet kind of love-hate relief.
0: I feel like when I have time to relax, I really need only two hours and then I'm ready to go again.
1: I'm an Aries. Like, I don't know if that, I don't know why I said that, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I find I burn out real quick, but then I'm, you know, like ready to snap back into it after like, you know, a minute or two.
0: Yeah. I get that. Um, I think it's just like this. I think with people who are kind of intelligent and outgoing and, you know, quite extroverted as I feel like you are, um, (laughs) you just need that constant, like, I don't know, not destruction, but you just need to have something in front of you all the time. Otherwise, yeah, like you're
1: yeah. lost. Even And sometimes it is a distraction, you know, like if, if I've got things going on, um, staying mm. busy is just the way, you know, that I, that I can deal with it sometimes, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, it's definitely a coping me- mechanism. It wasn't until like, I got to that period of time where I was like completely burnt out that I was like, Oh, this is like a thing I do to avoid stuff.
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's very, it can be very uh, self-destructive, can't yeah. it? Yeah. You know?
0: Proper like avoidance strategy, anyway. Absolutely. Uh, I digress, but <laughs> super excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Um, I guess I kind of wanted to start off by you know asking you a few questions regarding some of the stuff we've kind of spoken about previously. Yep. Um, and I'm really interested to kind of hear about how your experiences in, in your childhood kind of have impacted. Um, I guess, your mental health journey throughout your, your life. And I was wondering if we could kind of start there and you could give me more insight about that. Absolutely. Well, go ahead. The, the floor is yours.
1: Well, uh, I guess, uh, you know, without, you know, doing the whole cliche, it sort of starts from birth, you know. Um, mm. I kind of, I've had the type of parents who probably should have never been together, mm. um, which is fine, you know. So they divorced when I was quite young, which, you know, I think it's better that it happened to me when I was younger because I sort of grew up as the norm being. I had divorced parents. Um, yeah. That was fine, but the problem that sort of kicked off that was or was the catalyst for everything was my parents never seemed to have had a civil relationship even after they got divorced, you know? Mm.
0: Um,
1: and that, that, that sort of put a lot of um, strains into like, the relationships that I had with both my parents, because, um, you know, it kind of felt like it was a constant dogfight between them. Mm. And, um, yeah, I kind of, that sort of was, like I said, the the catalyst for, um, you know, a kind of, as a child, had a bit of problems with, like, anxiety when I would, especially when my dad started dating again. Yeah. Um, it was this whole new person in my life, and, um, you know, I wasn't sure, you, like, I, I was, it was hard to understand as a child what I was to make of it, what I was to think, and if, you know, my mom said something behind my dad's back, it's like, I don't tell my dad, but if my dad says something behind my mom's back, I don't tell my mom. It was just, you know, that was, that was probably my first experiences with, uh, anxiety.
0: That just sounds so stressful.
1: I think it was. It feels more stressful now. And I know that sounds funny because I have a, like a really great relationship with both my parents now because I'm an adult and mm. um, I don't. Like, you don't have to communicate with each other anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And I've got like I've had. I've got a better relationship with them now than I had when I was younger. But it didn't really occur to me until later in life how much i was really affected by it mm. um so i kind of feel like i i carried a lot of that stress without realizing and then one day you know something clicked and and i was sort of digging up these past emotions that i'd never experienced before and then it was then a process of starting to deal with that mm. um and so this was probably about high school when, when this kind of stuff started to, to sort of get to me, which I found strange. And then, you know, high school's its own set of um, <laughs> challenges, yeah. we'll say. Don't get me wrong, I loved, I loved high school. Um, if I could go back and do it again, oh, there's so many things I'd do differently. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but one of the things that was um, difficult for me and it, again I, I hate to play on the the cliche card, but um I was openly gay from when I was fourteen mm-hmm. um and for those who don't know me, I grew up in a very, very small country town in the upper hunter Valley uh called Marandai oh, yeah, or went to school I know it. oh you do it's a little gem of the earth, isn't it <laughs> <laughs> um it was um Look, I would say I was quite lucky in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't experience as much bullying as I thought I would. In fact, I used to get bullied for being gay before anyone knew I was even gay. Really? Yeah. And then one day I just sort of, you know, I just came out and I said, oh, yeah, I am gay. And everyone got a bit like, oh, hold on, what? Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> wait, we can't say that now. No, yeah, we <laughs> you sound like heads
0: now if we say that.
1: <laughs> we can't say the p word anymore in front of him. Like, um, so, and I think in, uh, uh, another hard problem was what I felt like I was dealing with it alone. Mm. I did have other friends who I confided in that somewhat identified as being LGBTQ. But um, yeah. But you know, I felt like I was the only one that I knew that was really open about it, and and um, and I kind of yeah felt felt a bit lonely in that sense, and just felt very scared, you know, mm. that any kind of confrontation that would come up regarding that. Um, and I think. I think a lot of people weren't honest with me as well Mm. about how they felt about it, you know? Um, and I know, I know it's hard when, when you don't want to offend people and I completely get that, but I think there are some people who I don't want to name because, you know, we've buried the hatchet by this point, but someone very close to me when I told them said, no, it's fine. I'm okay with it. And then behind my back said, no, I have a real hard time dealing with this. And this said person actually had to go get um, therapy to deal with the fact that I was gay. What? I know, I know. And honestly, it does sound like... At at first, it sounds so shocking, right? It sounds very shocking. And I was very hurt when I first heard that as well. And then I confronted this person and they said, yes, that's true. And I remember I confided in a teacher at school that I was, I was really close to. And um, she said to me, she said, I would look at this from the other perspective and take it as a positive as this person wants to try to understand. They're, they're yeah. going to therapy to try and understand. And that really just like struck me. And I was like, oh, oh my God, you're so right. And, and then it turns out that was the intent. And so this person went to a few therapy sessions um, and then came back to me later and said, I'm so sorry. It was very shocking for me in the beginning, but I'm okay with it now. And I hope, you know, we're still good. And it was, you know, water under the bridge wow. from then on. I'm I'm a very, um, I'm a very uh, compassionate person. I'm very empathetic and I don't, I don't hold grudges. Mm. Like, I mean, if you're a blatant racist or, you know, misogynist, like, I'm probably not going to be number one fan period. Um, but you know, if there's like, I can, I never judge anyone for their views, you know, like, mm. or, or, or anyone who wants to try it and understand it, you know? And so in that situation, I was never going to hold that against them. Um, but so while, you know, while I'm now I'm dealing with a bit of childhood trauma, um, and now I'm openly gay, a very like small country town community, I've also it was a very um, challenging time at home, mm. um, especially around my stepfather, who was uh, not long after my parents' divorce. So I'd say like a few years later, but. He was just never some, he was, he always felt like a stranger, you know, Mm. I was never able to really, you know, uh, have a relationship with him. Like, uh, not that he would replace my father at all. Like no one could ever do that. But, but, you know, it was, it would have been nice to have a father figure, um, in his, like, like see a father figure in him Mm. at like my primary home with my mother um, but he was um, a bully mm. and it started off quite subtle. Um, and then there was a bit of verbal abuse and then obviously it went to uh, a bit of physical abuse. Um, and this probably started around the time I was like 11 when I was, yeah. So when I was first, well, that was when I first remember being physically abused by him, and this created a lot of tension in the household mm. because my mom, who loved me, but she also loved this man, which I understood, you know. But she couldn't accept that he did that to me. Mm. And, but she was caught in the middle, you know, um, and she didn't know what to do. and And they really did uh, love each other then. I think, um, but he had a very bad, like, I'm not diagnosing with anything, but from what I could see, he was a big drinker, you know, and every time, every time I was physically abused by him, it was always alcohol involved, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was something, you know, that I was very I don't know why but I was very ashamed of it um and for a long time I blamed myself for it happening and you know it was I got what what, what hurt the most was I got really close to his family so his parents I saw them as grandparents wow. like his sister I saw as an auntie like cousins like like I really his whole family embraced me as family yeah. But he never, he never truly did. Um and you know, we had some good moments, you know. He took me like they had his parents owned a massive property up at Stewart's Brook. Um and so we used to go there sort of for school holidays and stuff or whatever. And um, you know, he taught me how to shoot a gun, which I would never have had that if like my dad wouldn't know how to shoot a gun, you know. So that was <laughs> Yeah that was something, you know, that was a cool experience that I shared with him, but It was unfortunate that it just feels like so many of the bad, the bad experiences outweighed the good.
0: Definitely. I can only imagine, especially also like getting all that, you know, positive reinforcement from his family and just not having it from him would have been so like heartbreaking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And trust me, the story with his family goes a bit deeper and I'll get into that soon. But what was happening in the meantime, so from 11, this abuse started up until the point where I was 17. Mm. I'm living in this house. I've run away from home so many times. I've There's been nights where I've had to call the police, uh, you know, things. And the relationship between him and my mom is just deteriorating, deteriorating. Mm. And by this point, they've had a child together.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they've had a child together by this point. Um, and then on the other side of things, you know, a lot of people would probably think, so why didn't you seek help with your dad? Why didn't you go stay with your dad? Why didn't you go live with your dad? It's because at this point, I, for for about five years of my life, I'd lost a lot of contact with my dad. Um, Mm. he'd still make efforts to come see me every two weeks, but, um, uh, I don't like to go into it too much just because the relationship I have with my stepmother and my father now is just... Amazing, like I love them so much, um, so it doesn't bother me anymore, but my dad had uh two kids um my brother and my my sister, and um there was a five year period where I didn't see them, not of my own accord, um just things between my mum and my dad had just gotten so bad mm. that um my dad felt like he had to protect his other kids, yep and Uh, And, you know, I think it's something he regrets. Um, He he feels really bad. But um, it's nothing like it was it's fine, because now I'm I'm really close with my little brother and sister. Um, Thankfully, because they were very young as well. So they don't remember that whole period either. So, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. Um, but, but this was why I could never sort of seek solace in my dad because, mm. um, I just didn't feel like our relationship was quite at that point where I could go live with him.
0: Yeah. And I guess you wouldn't feel like that a hundred percent trust, right? Like it's, this big yeah. thing is happening and how do you go and talk about it with someone you don't really know that well
1: anymore? And the biggest comfort in my life was my friends, um, in this small town and there was, I think, you know, I'll I'll rattle off the names, but it was like Lacey, Samantha, Nora, Sadie, Laura, I don't know if I've forgotten anyone, I'm sorry, but I think that's it. But we were these, you know, we were these six kids um, from the same town, grew up together. We knew each other's business. We were all our parents are friends Mm. and, you know, we just like, they were the biggest comfort in my life at that point because, you know, they, they weren't. I'm still very close to these guys today. They're still my bestest friends because, you know, they're real people that they get it, you know, they're down to earth and like for fun, you know, like, you know, I remember when I was sad and stuff and feeling depressed, I'd get a message on my iPod touch and, um, (laughs) (laughs) and I'd get it and we'd be like, let's go walk the stock route today for fun. And we would literally walk a a 14 kilometer dirt road up and back for fun. You know, like country kid things, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, these guys were my biggest comfort at that time in my life. And I was very afraid that going to my dad's house, moving, moving my dad, because he lived about like an hour and a half, two hours away, I would lose that bond and mm. I'd lose all those years that we've had now to build these um, unbreakable friendships, you know, like we're, we're, we're like family today. Um, and, but at the same time, like there was so much going on, I fell into this bad habit, um, of, and I, and I, it's my big, one of my biggest regrets Ooh. of my life. I was so ashamed of my life. I was ashamed of the house I lived in, the people I lived with. I was ashamed of the car that my parents drive. I was just, you know, I just felt like my life shouldn't be like this. And I fell into this trap of um, compulsive lying. Mm -hmm. And look, it was something that took a few years of really intense, uh, like psychological treatment, Mm -hmm. um, you know, countless breakdowns, countless losses of friendship. It was... One of the most heartbreaking things I'd ever experienced in my life. Mm. I'm so thankful that those five friends that I mentioned before, like you know they just they didn't know what to do, but they knew what what like they knew what was actually going on, and they just kind of said, oh, okay, yes, luck' learn and and you know carried on um but I think the point was that i can't, I've come to realize So so this started probably when I was in high school, you know, meeting new people and I just didn't want them to know these things about me. And, you know, I started just, you know, telling sort of different stories about my family that weren't necessarily true. Um, And after, and this sort of started ending when I was about 17, 18, um, because anyone who's suffered like from like compulsive lying, um, or like pathological lying, I know a lot of people consider them to be like sociopaths. Like they don't, they don't have any kind of care for, you know, other people's emotions or how they make people feel. But you know, that's that to me is not the case at all. Um, I felt really guilty all the time, and I felt even more ashamed. And then you just get trapped in this web of lies, and then you start. Disassociating what's real and what's not And then you don't know who you are Um And it was this that brought me to one of the lowest points Of like my life as a teenager That I had sort of attempted to Take my own life mm. um, I was just so burnt out From trying to keep up the facade And I just didn't think there was any way out of it You know, and yeah. I and what? It. So, I mean,
0: sorry. No, no. I was just going to say. It, I mean, I understand. I feel like it's it's like a, a way of protecting yourself from everything that's going on at home. Is you being able to pre- present this completely other version of yourself? It's like a a shield in a way. I completely get it.
1: And what I came to realize at the very end of it all was I wasn't lying to other people necessarily. Like I physically was, Mm. but, but, but I wasn't doing it to them to, to deceive them. I was doing it more to lie to myself. Mm. I was doing it to convince myself that this was my life and not the reality, um, that I was living. And by that point, I, 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 um, you know, after the, after the, um, sort of attempts of suicide, which it, it failed. And, and I'm so thankful today that that mm. was like, it didn't, you know, that that didn't happen. Um I started owning my past and, and who I was and, and, you know, everything that I, everything that I'd gone through um at that point, it, like, you know, had um made me. So as, as resilient as I am today, you know, Mm. um, but that was just sort of the first step towards, um, like sort of getting recovered.
0: Yeah. Like recovery in air quotes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Because I still had a lot of compacted depression and anxiety Mm. that I had, um, that I had, um, sort of emotionally disconnected from. Mm. And I think the reason I did that was because when I was younger, uh, I'd say about 13, um, I had a, an experience of sexual assault. Mm. And that that was... Um, That was sort of the point where, you know, sorry, I'm just trying to collect my thoughts Yeah, how to express it.
0: Take your time.
1: Uh, I used to get very upset about talking about it, um, but for a long time, I didn't even realise it had happened, Mm. you know? Yeah. Um, And looking back now, I can see how badly it affected me. Um, without realising then, because uh, it was, I, I was a child, you know. And um, and it was someone, you know, that I knew. And I guess I, I didn't consider it for a long time because, you know, sexual assault in the movies is a bit romanticised, you know, and it's so dramatic and it's very I'm not trying to say it's not serious, but in real life, like mm. everyone's experience is so different. But in real life, like, in the most subtle cases of it, it I don't think you even realise it's happened, you know. Mm. For a long time. Well that was my experience with it at least. You know, some people some people have like terrible, terrible, terrible um experiences. But you know, I, I myself felt like I was a child and and then I didn't really know that it had happened.
0: Yeah, because I guess you can't contextualise it, right? Like you're exactly. trying to understand that kind of stuff.
1: It wasn't until I was uh, 18 that I had a second uh, brush with a sexual assault mm. that I realised, like, holy shit... Um, that happened, yeah. And so you know, I, I'm 18 now, and I've worked through all this crap, you know, from like from that, I, that, that all this trouble that I caused myself, um, partially because you know I didn't, I didn't really seek the help that I needed until the very end of high school. Mm. But here I am now, trying to deal with you know the the depression, anxiety, and stuff that was left over from. Uh, when I was in high school to now this absolute bomb dropping on me. Um, and I didn't even, cause I didn't even think about it for years, mm. like for, for years. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking about it every day and I'm like waking up in the middle of the night, sweating and crying and like, you know, having these terrible tremors. Um, and you know, this, I felt like I'd taken one step forward and then two steps back in terms of, like, my mental health because uh, I was just, you know, I just, like, yeah. Sorry, I'm losing my words. <laughs> no, I
0: guess it's like <sighs> you, you'd, kind of un, you'd, you'd kind of unpacked that whole, like, you know, uh, your parents getting divorced and, and, you know, the physical abuse and the compulsive lying and then you were like, okay, I think I'm getting somewhere. And then you have this, as you said, like a bomb dropped on you in, in some ways because you've realised what's happened in your past and you just, you can't keep moving forward until you you deal with that, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I felt like I had to really sort of step back and, and so so I was about 19 now. Um, I had moved to Newcastle, you know, I left a small country town and, um, uh, <laughs> I was just trying to like, you know, have a, have a bit of fun, you know, um, going out partying all the time, making new friends, staying intact, staying in contact with some old friends. Um, and then the job I had at the time had an opportunity to, um, go to Perth. Um, and I say to people, I moved to Perth, right? And they say, no, you didn't move to Perth. Basically, I was meant to go to Perth um, for this company for four weeks. Uh, four weeks ended up being four months. I know it sounds short, but if you ask me, I bought a house plant. I moved, like, you know. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. But, um, so, but basically, I went to Perth with three other colleagues um, from the same company that I was working for. Um, and there were a few other ones that were already over there. And I had some of the best times of my life in that city, and, like, I never, you know, I thought, ill Perth, like, this is going to be a shit shit show, (laughs) but, (laughs) but no, honestly, I, I, I had for the, for, I I just felt like I'd left everything behind, you know, Mm -hmm. um, there was no baggage, there was nothing, you know, I was just, I was on the other side of the country with people that, like, I didn't know in the beginning, that but that I got to know, and it was just... Having fun all the time, you know, um, and it was probably one of the only times I had a bit of like relief from sort of the the depression and anxiety that I was feeling, you know. Mm. Uh, and but you know, all good things must come to an end because there came a point where they asked me if I would like to stay in Perth permanently for this role.
0: Mm.
1: And I'd actually really considered it um, because, you know, I'm like, oh, if I'm having this much fun now, imagine this as my life all the time.
0: Yeah. If you like settled there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then it dawned on me, you know, massive points of, I, I, I can't, I can't just run away from everything, um, you know, at home. Yeah. And eventually if I stay in Perth, it's going to catch up with me one way or another. Yeah. Um, I felt a like. It's true
0: to realise when you're young. Okay. Yeah. I, I th- people don't get to that point when, until they're older. But I feel like that's very immature at that age to be like, hang on, I can't do this. I, I was, this.
1: I, I've, I, this. I've, I think I've gone through a lot um, that, that, or enough. That has sort of pushed me a bit beyond my years. Um not to say I like I, I don't see myself as being any more mature than the next twenty two year old. Um but I'm a bit I just feel like I'm a bit more self aware. Are you
0: twenty two?
1: Yes, I'm twenty two.
0: Oh my god. So yeah, I was like, you're my age. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were like pushing thirty.
1: Oh Jesus Christ, I feel like I am sometimes, honestly. Twenty two, turning forty two.
0: Wow, just by the way you talk and like I don't know. No, I, I feel, I feel that's true in a way. Like you do seem like you kind of, are, uh, you know, very, like very much older <laughs> right. age. I do Thank
1: you. Thank I do. you. I trust me. I can be, I can sometimes still be, um, a 22 year old. Absolutely. <laughs> like, Oh, Good. <laughs> but, um, you know, there are just some time there have been times in my life that I've had, that, that have just called for me to grow up, you mm. know? And I think, part of being that between that age of 18, 19, I just went loose, you know, so crazy because it felt like the first, it was the first time I didn't have to grow up. Mm. I, I could be like a bit stupid, make a few mistakes and, and um, you know, it's just sort of experience things that 20 year olds are supposed to experience, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I, eventually I had to come back home from Perth because, you know, I'm like, I can't, I have to come back and deal with these things and mm. I'd moved out of home. I'd moved out of home when I was 17. Wow. Like 16, 17, yeah. No. And and for I was kind of like and so keep in mind right, I'm still in school. I'm so sorry to listeners if this story is like not chronological. Like <laughs> it, doesn't it
0: doesn't need to be stories
1: I'm like are- a, I'm like a DC comic, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> Like, changing it up. Um, but basically, um, at the at the age of 17, I probably should have mentioned this before. Yeah, 16, 17, I, I'd moved out of home. I'd gotten a license and moved out of home So I was 17. And um, I was... It was at the point I couldn't deal with the abuse anymore from my stepfather. I just couldn't anymore. I couldn't live with my father. And I was like, anywhere is better than here. Mm. So keep in mind, I'm still going to school. Like, I'm in year 11. And... Um, it started off as, hey, like going to my, fr- my, my friend at school. Hey, what are you doing tonight? Can I stay over? I'd be like, yeah, let's have a sleepover. And then I'd try to push it for a second night. And then, you know, once you've outstayed, you're welcome. I'd go to another friend. I'm like, hey, you know, can I stay at your house tonight? We'll have a sleepover. And it was a bit like that, you know, for, for um, a few, few weeks at a time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, sort of couch surfing without openly couch surfing. And then on some nights when I couldn't find someone's house to stay, you know, my mum made it clear to me, like she wanted me to come home and the door was always open, but I just couldn't anymore. And mm. um, so I'd just, you know, go to the old showgrounds and park my car and just, you know, that would be my home for the night, you know. Um, yeah. And I had a really good friend um, who was, I, I'd met her, I had a little part-time job, job at McDonald's when I was 14 and I had this the whole time throughout high school and I met a girl there. Um, she was already like, Ugh. she was like in year 11 or year 12 already <laughs> by the time I was in year eight. So, so, you know, she was way older than me, but we just got along like the fire and the wind. Um, and she had just bought a house with her partner at the time. Um, and and then they went through a bit of drama and he ended up leaving her not long after they bought the house. Ow. So she's like, yeah, know it was a, Oh, trust me. I lived through the drama of that. It was, it was an experience that I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that distracted me from my own shit, but it was fine. You know, cause I, I really loved this girl. Uh, she, she was family. Unfortunately, um, I'll get into what happened to our relationship in a minute, but she basically said, I need a roommate. Um, to come stay with me, and I, you know, we got along, and I said, yep, fine, let's do it, and so it was me and her living together, so, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much renting my own place, you know, my own room at, at 17 while going to school, and then I had to pay for, um, I had to pay for my, like, rent, and my car, and my groceries, and everything, so then I started having to do, I was having to do 30-hour weeks at my job Just to sort of make the ends meet.
0: While you were at school?
1: While I was at school. So, senior Ah. year, my senior years, 30 hour week, working weeks, you know, living out of home. And it was just so, as you can imagine, right? Like the puzzle starting to come together of why my mental health was just Mm. like terrible. Um, I was barely sleeping. Sometimes I wouldn't eat. Uh, It was just like. always found time to drink, you know, that was a bit of a comfort. Um, and eventually came a point where, um, uh, me and this girl, we had to move out of that house. They had gone through a separation settlement and it was done. Um, and so her mother kindly offered her a room back at her house and, and me as well, as well. Uh, Yeah. And I'm forever thankful, um, for her and her mum because they, they, like took me in, like she took me in when she didn't have to, you know, and mm. and she was definitely another mother figure in my life that was really helpful and and you know she, the the rent was a lot like she didn't make me pay rent, it was bored, you know she's like fifty bucks a week, and you're set and just your own groceries, and this really helped a lot um and just as things were starting to. <laughs> starting to get better, like a bit, like, you know, I, I was able to work a bit less, study a bit more, focus more on school. Like it was hang out with my friends more. It was coming all together nicely. And I thought, Oh, this is it. I made it. And then my boss rings me one day and says, Hey, I don't have a tax file number for you. And I said, Oh, Oh, that's weird. I thought I did it when I was 14. I've been working all these years with yeah. a tax file number. Um, crazy. So i got to get a tax file number, um, and turns out you need a passport. Um, I don't, I don't have a passport. So, you know, I go to get my birth certificate, um, which is fine. Give my birth certificate. Uh, keep it, uh, sorry to, I forgot to mention, I wasn't born in Australia.
0: Ooh, so lovely.
1: I was born in Ireland. Cool. Yes. Yes. Um, so I, have this Irish birth certificate. And she goes, no, we need an Australian birth certificate or an Australian passport. And I was like, well, I have neither. And then here comes this fucking avalanche. Sorry for my language. Oh, my goodness. Here comes this avalanche of I can't prove I'm an Australian citizen.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And not only that, I didn't even have my original birth certificate, so I couldn't even... Prove my European citizenship. So, I was a citizen of nothing. Like right? what... And so, what happened was my boss had to start taxing me 49.9% of my wage, right? So, like, you do the math. I was making probably, like, 200 bucks a week. Like, 50% of that is, like, $100. And then my, my rent was $50, so, you know, left with 50 bucks. And then I've still got to put petrol in my car, I've got to pay for the insurance every month, I've got a phone bill, I've got groceries, neither of my parents are, you know, helping me, except my mum's still paying my school fees, you know. Mm. Um, oh, God, it was just like, oh, it was hell on earth. I had to, I don't know if you remember, do you remember Nimble? Yes. Remember like those Nimble loans, I had to take one of those out. Um. <laughs> And it was funny cuz I, I didn't know how I ha- was able to get a license without like proving my citizenship but I but that wasn't enough to prove citizenship.
0: Yeah. And do the loan as well without citizenship?
1: I know cuz I just took my license and accepted it, right? And then so it was a, it was a small loan of $300 to pay for a new citizenship. Well, I had to get my one of my relatives from overseas to send my birth certificate the original copy. That took forever. And then I had to pay $300 for a citizenship application.
0: Out.
1: And then that took like months and months and months. By this point, high school's finished. I, um, I spent the last little bit of my savings on a tuxedo so I could go to my formal. <laughs> I couldn't go to the year 12 end of year excursion because I had no money to go. And that was sad. Um, that made me, you know, FOMO to the max. Yeah. And so by the time I'm finally moved to Newcastle with negative $23 in my bank account, um, I finally get a citizenship certificate and then I get my first tax file number when I'm 18 years old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that was... That, like It just felt like every time I got over one hurdle there was something I was waiting, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know that's a bit of an analogy for life. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be something. But I just felt like for a long time in my life, it was just some unnecessary bullshit that, you know, like I, I would have loved to have had the fight of like, oh, Maddie called me a bitch behind my back, you know? Like that's...
0: Yeah, that basic like,
1: in it shit. That, exactly. And I just never thought I really got to deal with that because I'm dealing with being an illegal alien or like, you know, you know, physical abuse. And I just like,
0: yeah, you just didn't get to be like a classic teenager.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, when I was a teenager, I worked three hours a week at IGA, like, and then I went home. That's all I had to do. Like the idea of having to work 30 hours a week just to survive. Like mm. poor thing. <laughs> like, Incredible. I mean, yeah, you're obviously a very resilient person, though. Thank you. It definitely shows. Um, Yes. I am just conscious of the time. I don't want to run out of time. So I'm going to ask you a few more questions. Go, go, go. Yes, yes. Um, So I guess when you – when did you kind of start to really – I don't want to say – I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. When did you really – dedicate yourself to you know recovery and getting on a track where you felt better and dealing with all these things that had happened to you when you were younger or are you still kind of on that track
1: I, I honestly think I'm still on that track it definitely so when it came to dealing with like the emotional physical abuse when I, of my childhood and the compulsive lying mm. that was all dealt with before I'd even finished school um yeah. so And then, you know, things started happening again and I ignored it. Like I fell into this bad routine of just suppressing everything, ignoring it, pretending it wasn't there. Um, And comes along a man in my life who sort of, who really broadened my horizons. Mm -hmm. Um, And what else do you do than marry them, like (laughs) spontaneously? Uh (laughs) Um, And, you know, it wasn't. Until, you know, I sort of settled into finally what felt like a comfortable life. Yeah. I finally had a home that felt like my home. I finally had enough money to live and not survive, you know, like, mm. like I got a I got a really good job at a bank that pays me more money than I've ever seen, you know, like ever, mm. um, I'm like not to boast or anything by saying that, but like, it was just a very proud thing for me. Now I'm going to uni to actually dedicate myself to a career that I would really like to do. Yeah. And I'm pursuing hobbies that have like, always interested me and I've traveled. Um, and so what all that's done for me is given me perspective on what it is. I really want for myself mm. because it's hard to change when nothing is really clear. Yeah. If you know what I mean, yeah. it's really hard to, um, really overcome those darkest parts of your life when you don't even know what the what the brighter ones are. Yeah. And so I've had now just some amazing experiences in the last couple of years and it's sort of given me the perspective that I've needed and the courage and the strength mm. to really start, you know, processing this. Like I still have my really bad, 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 um, moments. Like I've been to hospital a few times last year due to like, like panic attacks. Um, like Mm. I can't breathe. Like, but you know, I'm on that road as we speak and I don't think I'll ever, I'll get off it, you know, like I'll, Mm. I'll get to recovery, but there are going to be times again in life, you know, when you're going to experience, um, problems with like, you know, depression, anxiety, like the road to recovery is somewhat always there, you know?
0: Yeah. And you Uh, can't like, you can't undo the trauma from your past. Like you can't rewind it. And so I feel like you're right. It's always kind of going to be this process of mending and healing.
1: Um, And then, and then keeping it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, maintenance. Yeah. There's always going to be maintenance, you know? Um, And, you know, this whole – with the world at the moment, you know, coronavirus, um, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you know, the the death of uh, George Floyd, there's a very very, um, depressing tone. Mm. Like, that's very set at the moment. And um, I feel like, you know, I'm seeing all over social media, like, people who – mightn't have had to deal with such extreme cases of, you know, mental illness or anything, starting to sort of unravel a bit. And, um, you know, and I just sort of think sort of be like, like it's a great time to support each other. Yeah. You know? yeah. Really, really like, you know, I know we have IUAK Day, but really now is the time to be supporting each other because it's hard times for everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Mm-hmm. I whether you whether you're diagnosed with mental illness or not like it's just hard for everyone um and yeah. so i think i think to be your own hero you need to be um you need to be strong enough to ask for help
0: mm. like a
1: weak person is someone who can't admit that they need help mm. um so and you know be be a leader in that you know sort of own own your mental illness um don't be ashamed of it be be proud of, of uh, what it's taught you and, and how strong you can be from it. Um, these are kind of things that I like to tell myself um, and it's sort of, I, I like to help people who Ooh. who might not know, who might have been in the same situation that I was.
0: Well, Four I years ago that was my that was my final question oh sorry <laughs>
1: well,
0: way, effortless um, I guess yeah some, someone who has gone through a similar experience as you in terms of having their their, their family you know break down and, and experiencing kind of abuse within that within the family unit what is some advice that you would give to them um, just regarding your own experiences um,
1: hmm. the advice I would give. Like there's so much, but I'm trying to just put it in one nice sentiment. Um, have your close friends, um, like your, your best friends, confide in them. Like you know, don't ask for, don't ask them for solutions, but just you know, people are there to listen. Uh, talking about it can can um, honestly just make the biggest difference. Mm. And you know, if you have the opportunity, seek professional help. Like it, it, it's, it's daunting, and it sucks, and it's hard, and you know, like there's a lot I like you wouldn't want to, like you don't want to deal with. Um, But push through it all, like seriously, rise above it all, Um, and you will just learn to love yourself so much more after it. Like, like that's, that's, a, that's a given. Yes. I've learned to love myself a lot more from, you know, admitting like things I've done wrong and, and like the problems that I've had and the things that I've, I've suffered, you know?
0: Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Very eloquent and very well put.
1: If I can think of something better to say, I will definitely like call you back and say, <laughs> "Hey, like we need to record that, re-record <laughs> that." that. But that's the basic perfect. sentiment, you know. Don't be, don't be afraid to get help. You yeah, know? just don't be afraid.
0: I, I love that. I think that's exactly. Yeah, it's perfect. You don't. <laughs> um, Lachlan, thank you so much for being on the show. You've just been an absolute joy to, to speak to you today. I have really. Thank you. Loved
1: it. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been it's been great. So I really loved it.
0: Hello. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that one. As I said, Lachlan is very funny and engaging. And yeah, I think, I think the way he thinks about life and his outlook on life is, is really cool. Um, so I really enjoyed speaking to him on that episode. And again, I'm so sorry for crappy microphone. You know what? I did drop it earlier. That could be it. But at the same time, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I did something weird. I think it's up t- time for an upgrade, but please don't hold it against me. I promise I'm good at audio. I'm actually doing a diploma in audio production right now. I'm not sure if I've shared that with you bef- before, but hopefully by the end of it, I will be an amazing audio engineer slash producer. That's the goal. Um, before I go to our regular Social media spiel, I, I do want to touch on what's happened um, in America with the death of George Floyd and how obviously there are a lot of protests um, happening in a, in America right now, and rightly so. What's happened is absolutely atrocious and, uh, and we really need to look at uh, ourselves and how us white people uh, continue to be part of the problem, not part of the solution, how we need to sit with our guilt um, and really – try and make positive change and not just post things post things on social media um so what i've done just to start off with um is donate the, the the money that i've received from patreon this month um to an organization uh called healing foundation um and they're an indigenous organization that partners with communities to address the uh, trauma caused by actions like the forced removal of children um you can look them up on instagram i think their their tag their name is healing our way i really encourage you to donate anything you can um, obviously there are lots of there are lots of indigenous organizations across australia that would really benefit from your money um we we have to admit that we're not doing enough we have to admit that we've dropped the ball for so many years and it's no longer okay to say "Oh, that's a really It's no longer an issue of saying, oh, that's really terrible. I can't believe that's happening. Great. Awesome. But now we need to get started. We need to actually start supporting. We need to start doing something concrete. That classic um, example of actions speak louder than words has never been so prevalent. Um, So I'm currently looking for new people to be on the show. I will be recording from two weeks time for the rest of the season. So please give me a, shoot me an email at if you don't mind podcast, And let me know if you're interested in being on the show. If you want to follow us, you can go to Facebook type in, if you don't mind the same with Instagram, if you don't mind podcast. Um, and I would really love it if you become, if you became a patron, uh, Patreon is a place that you can basically go and sign up and, and, and donate money to creators. So You can actually support me for as little as $2 a month, which is half a coffee, half a coffee a month is how I put it. Um, I don't think there's ever been a more important time to really, really hone in on this idea of being kind to both yourself and others in this case, more so others. Um, And again, when you take the time to listen to someone to really listen not just to their story, but their point of view and their way of life and what they've experienced. You can't help, but have a change in how you think and how you feel. And I really encourage anyone listening to do that, to take your time and listen, because it's very easy to say, yes, I've I'm I'm listening, right? It's very easy to say that, but to sit down and to do it is a completely different thing. So I really, really encourage you to do that. Um, well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in once again. I'll be back in a fortnight with another episode and I can't wait to see you then. Bye. Bye.